Hello and welcome to European Pharmaceutical Reviews podcast. I'm Caroline Peachy, the editor of European Pharmaceutical Review, and I'll be your host today. In this episode, I'm thrilled to be joined by Kylie Bromley, Managing Director of Biogen UK and Ireland. In this episode, which is recorded ahead of International Women's Day, Kylie will delve into some of the challenges facing women in leadership. She'll share her experience and tips for those working in the pharmaceutical industry and discuss the opportunities for increasing diversity and inclusion in the pharmaceutical sector. Hi, Kylie. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hi, Caroline. It's absolutely wonderful to be here, particularly in advance of International Women's Day in March. Okay, to start off, please, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your career in the pharmaceutical industry? Absolutely. So I, um, as you may pick up pretty quickly from my accent, am Australian by background, grew up in Australia and went to University of Melbourne. I started with a background in science uh, with a PhD in pharmacology. And at that time, I really didn't know sort of where I wanted to go with my career and quite quickly discovered the pharmaceutical industry. And I've now been in the industry for over 20 years across quite a spectrum of roles, whether that's been in, uh, started out in clinical research, moved into marketing roles, commercial development, sales, and then in, in recent years have been in senior leadership positions as managing director. So I'm currently the general manager, managing director for Biogen in the United Kingdom and Ireland. And outside of work, I have two daughters who are sort of tween and teenage years. So that keeps me pretty busy outside of work. I'm sure it does. So you mentioned there that you weren't sure, Kylie, what kind of route you wanted to take with your career. What inspired you to enter the pharmaceutical industry? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. I think, you know, being a scientist and being in the lab, I found, you know, it was rewarding to some extent, but it was quite disconnected to an outcome besides an outcome of experiments and and publications, certainly in the work that that I was doing, and it's in by no means, you know, diminish the significance of the science, which uh, we wouldn't be here without all the incredible scientists in in the labs. But for me personally, I felt that I needed to have a greater connection to an outcome. Started exploring the pharmaceutical industry, and pretty quickly realised in joining the industry, and particularly as I joined uh, originally as a clinical research assistant, so running clinical trials. And you could see very quickly the tangible impact that you have within the industry on the lives of patients who are going through, uh, in some cases, pretty significant health and life challenges. And then over the years, you're in different experiences, you also then see the impact that you have, not just on that patient, but everyone that surrounds them, whether it's your family, friends, other community. And in the majority of my career, I've spent working for companies that work in medicines for areas of the highest unmet need, if you like, where there are really significant challenges and in some cases where patients have had no options before to improve their outcomes. So it's very rewarding work and, you know, I certainly have appreciated that opportunity to have a much greater connection with, I guess, a mission and a purpose of why to get out of bed every day in what we do within the industry. Please could you elaborate a bit more about your current role and what that involves? 
Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, I'm the Vice President uh, Managing Director for Biogen in the United Kingdom and Ireland. And prior to that was the Managing Director for Australia and, and New Zealand and you know, similar responsibilities within these roles. And I've been at Biogen now for over eight years. And ultimately, you know, I'm responsible for Biogen's activities across the, the UK and Ireland, including supporting ongoing access and supply to our innovative treatments. We also have a responsibility to deliver for our shareholders as well as meet the legal obligations we have as a corporate entity. But ultimately, I feel that I'm very responsible as well for leading an amazing team of passionate people. And I take this responsibility very seriously because I believe, you know, as leaders, we really have an opportunity to ensure that we can create diverse and inclusive environment for our people, one where, you know, each individual feels that they bring a unique contribution and they also feel a sense of belonging and can thrive in that environment. Picking up on the diversity point, you're involved in Biogen's Women's Innovation Network. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, that's right. We have a, a series of groups within Biogen called our uh, Employee Resource Groups or ERGs. And one of those and you know, one of the more established ones is the Women's Impact Network or WIN, which historically was actually called the Women's Innovation Network it, that was really bred out many, many years ago of a need for greater representation and development of women in more technology-based roles and has since broadened the network and we rebranded it to the Women's Impact Network quite recently, actually. So it is one of my passion projects in my position, and I'm currently one of the global co-chairs of WIN. And WIN is it's an employee resource network that supports women and biogen really through creating togetherness of connections. We want to, you know, inspire each other and inspire the women within Biogen around their career opportunities and, and development. And the goal really is to provide not just meaningful events, but also development opportunities and resources for all of our employees, because we know that as much as we want to support the career and the development and our women to thrive and actually it requires everybody around the female employees in order to deliver on that. So we're dedicated to fostering very much an inclusive community that's committed to allyship, coaching and mentoring, as well as networking and partnership with the business. And the network really also focuses on building both internal and external partnership to ensure that women really feel that sense of connection and growth and development, both opportunities, you know, within Biogen, but also in their life outside of Biogen as well. So, you know, in the role of global co-chair, I'm also committed to fostering an inclusive culture across the company. And this group really is a dedicated team that makes sure all of our women and our employees feel that sense of connection and inspiration. And for me, I think the value of that is I have an opportunity to bring, you know, my own personal experiences of navigating a, you know, not just a career, but a life. And everybody has their own journey and their own story. And through that network, sharing those stories is incredibly powerful. It's a powerful inspiration for people. But also it's an opportunity to bring my strategic mindset and, you know, enterprise view to the role, which is also very important and allows me to 
add value to the organization outside of my day-to-day role as well. So it's, you know, it's a really great initiative and incredibly important initiative, both historically as well as how we move forward uh, as an organisation and for for women in the industry that currently work within Biogen. And how do you find being a female leader working in the pharmaceutical industry? Every organisation's different, are they? So I can only speak to the organisations that I have worked with. And I feel that I've been very fortunate in this industry because I do think I've had you know, an incredible career. It's not to say that there hasn't been challenges along the way, but I do think that this industry does thrive to lead the way, particularly in recent years, to create an inclusive environment. There's still, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done there or we wouldn't be having this conversation. (laughs) But I have found that I have been able to navigate the industry, but a lot of that has also been quite sort of self-driven as well in terms of my own education of some of the challenges about being, you know, just a female, then being a female leader and a female with a family, navigating a career and educating myself on what potentially holds people back, both within the industry and, you know, career in general as as a female and addressing those areas for myself have helped me sort of grow within the industry. But I, you know, I do believe that I've been incredibly fortunate within this industry to have very strong mentorship, strong sponsorship, and also guidance from both women and men along my journey who have believed in me and believed in my strengths. And that has lifted the belief in myself, which ultimately I think has driven, you know, my career success uh, to date. And I think that self-belief is certainly something that holds a lot of women back. It's not something that's unique to this industry at all. But I've also had the benefit of participating in leadership courses. You know, we have a, a program at Biogen that's specifically for female leaders that, again, is around uh, supporting the unique parts of being a woman in leadership positions and and within the industry and tapping into where your strengths are. You know, one of the biggest opportunities we have where I see, you know, an opportunity for us to make a big difference is in allyship. And I do think that there, you know, there's a lot of work to do there again, but there is a strength of allyship that I've had in my career where I have felt that people have, you know, really stepped up and looked out for me, which has been really great. I've also taken the opportunity within my career within the pharmaceutical and biotechnology industry to find ways of giving back to the industry more broadly as well in this space. So quite a number of years ago in Australia, there's a number of female managing directors at the time who uh, got together and they could see that there was a real gap in female leaders across the industry. So there was a very small handful of managing directors within the pharmaceutical industry who were female and they could see there was a lot of senior managers, but there was a real gap from director through to to managing director, and they wanted to understand what could be done across the industry to see sort of equitable representation across the leadership, if you like, of the industry. So those three set out forming an organisation called PAGE, and I joined as one of the founding members of PAGE. It was called the Pharmaceutical Australia 
gender equity group. And it was very much a a science-driven approach in digging into what are the gaps, what are the real issues holding women back, what can be done more broadly, and this, you know, the responsibility of the industry, not just putting it on women, but what needs to be done from organisational standpoint in terms of policies, procedures. And the power of that group was the partnership across the industry. It wasn't one company or one person trying to solve for everything. It really was taking an industry-wide view and saying, if we can grow talent within the whole industry, that has a benefit to everybody, not to one company, and ultimately has a benefit to the country, if you like. And certainly, you know, in that time, I was then fortunate enough to become a managing director myself. So I saw, you know, the benefit of that myself. But you did see over a number of years, significant change within representation in leadership positions. And I do think it was because of the work that was done by that group and the collaboration of that group, which has now evolved to look beyond gender and is now very much looking at, you know, diversity and inclusion across the board and and what can be done there as an industry-wide effort in sharing best practices, in putting mechanisms in place, you know, writing white papers and getting policies changed. And so I think that the power of that, the industry uniting can't be underestimated and not trying to solve for everything ourselves within the industry. You mentioned that kind of broadly that group looks at some of the challenges facing women in leadership. And I wondered if you could sort of characterise what some of the issues are and and how they were addressed through this group? So one of the issues, and this is also pre-COVID, to be honest, as well, which I think the pandemic highlighted some other fundamental challenges for not just women, but parents and carers within the workplace and what can be done there as well. So, you know, some of the challenges were really like fundamental policies of of organisations and thinking beyond gender. How do you really take a lens of a truly inclusive policy from a HR perspective? And then how do you embed that? How do you role model what good looks like in terms of, so if you take a parental leave policy, what you want is for all genders to be accessing that parental leave policy in order to create the right environment for women to feel that they that all of the burden doesn't sit on them. So we saw a shift in expanding of parental leave policies to include all genders and to have more flexibility within the policy and showcasing examples of where you know men are taking significant amounts of time as parental leave, even actually just changing it from maternity leave to parental leave has an impact. They looking at gender pay gap in the right way. So historically sometimes you're not necessarily looking at gender gender pay gap data in like-for-like roles, and that can be a bit misleading as to how you're looking at your pay gap data. So actually getting expertise in to say, what's the best way to look at this data that gives you meaningful results? And are you looking at it in the right way, or are you looking at it with a bit of rose-coloured glasses on and actually not identifying some of the issues? Certainly having flexible work practices is a big factor. And then you've got you know, different size organisations as well have a different ability to implement different benefits schemes as well, whether that be, you know, less so now, but in big organisations can have childcare at work, for example, and not all of them. And I think we focus very much, I use the example of childcare there, so I'm sort of calling myself out here, we focus very much on parents. We don't necessarily 
talk about the women who are carrying sort of the majority of the carer burden of, say, older parents or of partners and all of the other life situations that are thrown at anyone, not just females as well. So digging into some of those gaps and then I think where the real power happens, as I said, is the sharing of best practices and sharing of stories across different organisations certainly helped in sort of moving the narrative, having really honest conversations around where the challenges are. And I certainly think, if I think about sort of one of the barriers of conversations with someone who's senior in my organisation at the time when I took the the role on was, well, there's, you know, there's no problem. Look around, 50% of our leadership team are are females. Okay, well, when was the last female managing director? When was the, you know, if two people moved on, where's the pipeline of talent coming through? And actually just, to be honest, people who really thought that they were allies, but really didn't understand the true issues to be true allies. So I think education around the issues is a big factor as well that then helps alleviate that. And, you know, to give another specific example, just even language that's used and appropriateness of language that's that's used and how that can be taken out of it's all it may be with good intent you know one of the challenges that i faced is when i my children were quite small i wanted to take on a role that had a reasonable amount of travel and it had what i felt was the right next career step for me but it did have travel and i had solved how i would deal with that that's kind of no one's business that's for me to solve if i'm willing to take on the the challenge as soon as I applied for the role and people knew about it, the first questions are, what are your children going to do? And like, how's your husband going to cope? And how are you going to manage the travel with two young children? And I guarantee that no man would be asked that same sort of barrage of questions about, you know, my children and my husband. And so I think even, like I said, people have good intent, but they don't realise that they're adding extra guilt and burden on the female's shoulders when it's the whole family unit's responsibility to solve and uh, So I think changing that narrative a little bit and just an appreciation of language can go a long way as well. Kylie, how far do you think we are on that journey? How much do you think things have changed or is there still work to do? There is absolutely still work to do. And I think we have a responsibility of as leaders as well to create a workplace where everybody can thrive and everybody can be their authentic selves and realise their personal and professional aspirations. And that's not just, you know, the female's responsibility um, in order to do that. And we all we all play a role in that, no matter what organisational layer you are either. So, you know, I speak about leaders and we do have a, a responsibility, but everybody can play a role no matter where you are in organisations. But if we just look holistically, the healthcare industry as a whole, I don't have pharmaceutical-specific data, is quite heavily represented by women. So I think in the UK, it's about 60% female. Now, that's across all health, the whole healthcare sector. It's quite high. But that is not representative of, of women leaders. And then I was you know, looking at some quite recent data analysis that was done by LinkedIn, where they looked at female representation in the workforce is currently at about 42% globally. If you then look at People that have described themselves as senior leaders, so directors and and above, it drops by 10% down to 32%. And then if you look at C-suite, it's 25%. 
Then if you add an extra layer of women of colour, it's 16%. So you're getting sort of more and more inequity as you sort of get to the more senior levels. And I think there is a lot of work to be done. There's no questions. You know, recently the, you know, the McKinsey report from this year around, you know, women in work, it's an interesting report because it talks about some of the myths that exist. And I, because I do think people believe that a lot of these issues have been solved and actually, once you dig deeper in the data, it would show you know many of those issues still exist. But you know what I like to do is think about, okay, well, there's the challenges, but how do we turn that around into what opportunities exist for us? And you know if I think about, yeah, sort of women more broadly, you know I spoke about sort of partnership and collaboration, and the real value in that is bringing perspectives from diverse backgrounds and And I do think that, bringing in alternate views about what we need to do, what the real challenges are, doing that in partnership is going to go a long way. The importance of allyship, as I mentioned, can't be underestimated. And that goes to across, it's very intersectional, isn't it? Across, you know, every part of diversity and inclusion, allyship is really, really important. So one of your earlier questions about my career in the industry, if I reflect on on that, you know, I spoke to mentorship and and sponsorship and I I connect that myself with allyship is that you know people are willing to speak up for you and they're willing to you know, if I think about what a sponsor is where there's a lot of power in that allyship and that takes education and you know there's a lot of work that we can do as employers to educate all of our people about what true allyship is so certainly an opportunity there and really getting the fundamentals right as well. Let's not assume that we have all of our policies and practices in place because I think as our understanding of the challenges evolves and as the workplace evolves, as it has significantly over the last couple of years, really looking at that and saying where are there opportunities for us to think holistically as our whole organisation, what can we change that would actually ensure that that is a better workplace for women, a more inclusive workplace for women and allows women to thrive within that environment. Thank you very much, Kylie. Reflecting on your career, what's the top piece of advice that you'd give to women looking to become leaders in the industry in future? I think there's a a fabulous quote from Brené Brown that says, True belonging doesn't require you to change who you are. It requires you to be who you are. And I would encourage all women, whether they aspire to be leaders or whether they aspire to be their best selves in life, is to be true to yourself and authentic to, you know, what you believe in and stay true to your values as you navigate your career journey as well is really important. And I think being able to do that allows you, you know, living an authentic life, staying true to your your values actually gives you a lot of power and both professional and personal power within that. Certainly, you know, learning your strengths, like what, what do you bring to the table? Where are your strengths? Gives you a lot of confidence as well, because I know that's what holds a lot of women back is that lack of confidence in, you know, necessarily trying something new or asking for help. And confidence goes a, a long way in doing that is, you know, you don't have to solve for everything yourself. So, you know, I speak about mentors and sponsors, but sometimes it's actually just 
asking for some some help on how to navigate the next step of their career. And I do find that, well, I've never had a conversation with someone where I've asked for any career advice or support or help where they've said, no, sorry, I can't help you. Everybody actually wants to help each other. And I think tapping into that is really important. And, you know, certainly, finally, I would say, take every opportunity to learn from the leaders around you who you aspire to be. That's certainly something that I've done over my career. Both those who you aspire to be and those who you don't aspire to be, I think is equally important. But, you know, take inspiration from other people, both those that you work directly with and outside of that. And what then do you take to make you an authentic uh, leader and tap into what's unique about you. Don't try and shape yourself to be something that you're you're not. So, Kylie, you've, you've spoken about leadership aspects. Recently, we've had International Day of Women and Girls in Science. And I wondered if you could share your perspective on kind of encouraging youngsters to enter the pharmaceutical industry. Yeah, I think it's a, as a scientist, it's a great day to recognise the value of what women and what diversity brings to to science and also the opportunities that STEM careers afford people as well and, and particularly as women. I'm a huge advocate for the industry and one of the reasons is, you know, we spoke about the purpose of what we do with the industry and sort of having that deep purpose is important to me, but actually one of the other areas that I think is quite unique about the pharmaceutical industry is the breadth and diversity of roles and opportunities within the industry. I actually have lost count of how many different functions, therapeutic areas or disease states that I've had the opportunity uh, to work in. And that's not even scratching the surface if you think of everything from lab research through to manufacturing, logistics, supply chain, and everything that sits in the middle. There's literally thousands of different careers that you can have within the pharmaceutical industry, as well as being a global industry, which also I've also had the benefit of being able to, you know, move between countries and have that experience as well of having the cultural diversity. I do think it's an incredible sort of you know, career path for, for people. And the industry is also crying out for young talent to come into the industry. It's really important. It's never been more important if we, you know, if we think about, you know, any industry, but certainly in biotech and pharma, technology and the pace of technology is so very rapid. You know, I think it's we've been saying for many, many years now that kids at school, certainly when I think about my children as they're going into teenage years, start thinking about, oh, well, I don't know what I want to be when I, you know, grow up and and what to study. And we've sort of been saying like for for a number of years that, you know, those those jobs that they will be doing probably don't exist today. And I do think that that's very true. And I've seen that certainly in my career within the industry is things that we never thought that you would be thinking about as potential careers and jobs that do exist today. And that's going to, that you know, that's certainly going to grow. Many, many countries also have internship programs and apprenticeships within the industry, which is a fantastic way for graduates to get exposure to a different part of the industry as well. And I think for any career, I certainly encourage people to think broad rather than or sort of rather than this trajectory to the top. I think the the broader your experience, the more value you bring as you progress your your career. So thinking quite laterally about different experiences 
you know, is a great way to do that. And you don't necessarily have to tick all the boxes to do a job. I never thought as a scientist or certainly studying a PhD that I would be here today talking about being a, a vice president, sort of general manager of an organisation in a more commercially centred uh, centered role. So I will say, you know, I think my career is evidence of the opportunities that exist within the industry, do things differently, which is great. So final question to recap, where do you see the opportunities for creating greater equality in the industry? Yeah, I think that's a really great question. And I think, you know, looping back to the timing of this this conversation around International Women's Day, we have two themes for International Women's Day. There's the UN theme, which is invest in women, accelerate progress, and then the International Women's Day theme of inspiring inclusion. And I do think that they're very, very timely as it relates to our industry and that there is a real opportunity for both of those. So if I think about investing in women, what are we doing within our organisations and across the women to ensure that women are getting development opportunities, are getting the networking opportunities and are getting the career opportunities that they should have access and not just for women, but, you know, across the board to create a truly equitable environment. And then I've spoken a little bit about allyship and that taps really into the International Women's Day theme of inspiring inclusion and the strength and the importance of of allyship being absolutely fundamental in that. And I do think that there's certainly an opportunity for, for that. And in order to do that, looking outside, not just thinking that this is something that you know we solve as individual companies, but the power of community, the power of partnership and joint problem solving, and how do we come together as an industry to keep striving to lead the way? Because I do think that that's the opportunity that this industry has when you look at the proportion of women uh, working in the industry across the whole there is certainly an opportunity for us to be seen as um, absolute leaders on this front of creating the most inclusive environment that we can. Well, unfortunately, that's all we'll have time to talk about today. But thank you so much, Kylie, um, for sharing those insights into where we are um, in the pharmaceutical industry and, and some of your career expertise and recommendations for women in the sector. So on behalf of European Pharmaceutical Review, thanks everyone for listening and we hope you'll join us for our next episode.